something I've always wanted to do more of is, is traveling and like living internationally. And so getting my master's in education will allow me to go and teach abroad and get paid to live abroad. This is the Seasonals Podcast, a show where we talk to people living the seasonal lifestyle. We take an in-depth look at the decision points they've encountered along the way. So I'm with Marcus Kastner, and he works at KELP. What is KELP? Catalina Environmental Leadership Program. Okay. And it's a, it's a camp for where you teach environmental stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a seasonal uh, outdoor education facility. Yeah. So what kinds of, is it just high schoolers that come in here or is it other kids too, older people? Our um, age range is from like fifth to 12th grade, but also we have uh, college um, volunteer groups and the like that come out. So a pretty wide age range, pretty much secondary schooling. Yeah. What, um, what do you do when that, like, so the kids come in and you're not just uh so when I think of a camp, I think of like 4-H camp. And so you're not just like a counselor, though. You're doing maybe like workshops or education courses for them. Well, our uh, our curriculum is very like we have the, the mainstream um, experience, uh, the experiential part of the course, which is like snorkeling, kayaking, hiking, that, you know, that is available to us because we're so close to the ocean. But then on top of that, later on top of that, we have sustainable, um, like kind of more like a sustainability workshop or then like a garden workshop, cotton, like where we talk about composting and ways the kids can be more sustainable and whatnot. Very cool. So a normal week is the kid gets here, meets people, and then they get out on the water some, they go see the garden and the compost some, and just, like, what else? Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, How much time do they get to, like, run around on their own out there? Well, the nice thing about my job right now is that um, it's the day's broken up into, like, several uh, shifts. And so I have like a morning block, afternoon block and an evening block. And in between those times, I have time to like be off or lesson plan or go for kind of like have my, like me time. Mm. Um, and so do the kids. And so it ends up being, you know, a longer work day where I have program from nine till sometimes nine o'clock where, you know, it's, if I was working continuously, it'd be a 12 hour day, but I have like an hour and a half, two hour and long breaks, like intermittently throughout the day in between my morning and afternoon and evening blocks. So it's kind of like just split shifts throughout the day. Mm -hmm. But I'm working all those shifts. Yeah. uh, Yeah. It's better than like, you know, working an eight hour shift and having a 15 minute break and a 30 minute break. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know that game. (laughs) 
So what, uh, what's your favorite thing on this? Or actually, how long, how long have you been here? I've been here for two seasons, so uh, about eight months. And a season is, like, say, summer and in winter, or there's fall seasons too? And We have a summer, fall, and spring season, and okay. we're off for the winter. And so that's where, like, the seasonality of it really kicks in, where for two and a half months this winter I needed to find something to do, you know? Mm-hmm. So you've been here two seasons. What uh, What's your favorite thing to do? with the kids like during the actual camp and what's your favorite thing to do when like it's your free time you get to do whatever you want on the island <laughs> the kids ask me this question all the time and <laughs> so it's a decent question nice. yeah and um you know in in reality like the thing i love about being here is that um i love doing my job and my job is what i do in my free time anyways um you know, it's, it's the weekend right now. We're talking on the weekend and I just went, you know, just paddled out to go spearfishing. And, uh, you know, while I don't get to bring my, my spear gun in the water with me with the kids, like I still get to go snorkeling and kayaking and all those things that I want to do in my free time. Mm. Have you ever been out there with the kids and seen a monster fish that you're like, Oh, if only I had my spear gun. <laughs> Uh, since we're in the cove, like our, our cove all the time snorkeling, um, I've actually gotten to know like individual fish, you know, since I'm snorkeling the same place three to five times a week, um, you know, I know where this one particular kelp bass likes to hang out or where the sheephead like to hang out. And Mm -hmm. so I'll see the same fish over and over and over again. And the, since we don't fish in our cove, um, the the there are some some fish that are a little bit bigger that I'm like <laughs> yeah you want to go after them <laughs> but uh it's good to to go to for, like have that where I'm forced to go elsewhere yeah for sure so there are those big fish for the kids to see and mm-hmm. all that yeah it's very cool so since I've been here um there's been a couple impromptu lectures on astrology from you that I've learned a lot from (laughs) and you just finished your paper for your master's thesis Mm -hmm. um and you got the you told me a little bit about that what is one of the things you like to educate the kids on the most like what's your wheelhouse lesson that you really like to do my favorite um uh and this comes from my background in environmental education is um getting the kids in their senses and so I do a lot of like blindfold activities and stuff like that to kind of get the kids out of their element Mm -hmm. and get them into their other senses and I spend a lot of time pursuing like eco literacy uh so getting the kids acquainted with the major tree species and stuff like that and less so it's not as important about like hey because this is a this certain tree but like I know this tree because like look at the way it's growing and this is the way the leaves feel and this is the way the leaves smell and like if there's something edible about it like let's taste this plant and like really get to a relationship with it yeah not just seeing it and going oh this is you know whatever yeah less less um uh brag and drag of uh like 
you know, going along the trail and pointing out this and this and that, but more like uh, a conversation with the, the plants and the trees around. Yeah, that's a cool way of doing it. With Lewis, I just get the brag and drag in every <laughs> forest we're in. <laughs> so a lot of the kids, they come in and they probably don't know, you know, what you're teaching them, they probably don't know most of it. What is, what's something that, like, you think maybe the people listening even what's one thing about nature that's like something that is an easy lesson that will stick with somebody for a long time that you've seen? Something that I have to keep on reminding myself over and over and over again is that magical things are happening around me all the time, no matter where I am. Um, and I just have to learn to see those or know what to look for. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll be in the city and all of a sudden a peregrine falcon will fly right past me or, you know, the pigeons will be like doing some kind of behavior that'll like key me into that there's a predatory bird around. And I only noticed those things because I was looking for them. Mm. Um, or back in San Diego near my, near my house, which is very like suburban area. Um, I was like in a local park, uh, right as the sun was rising and a, a red fox came through and I hadn't, I didn't know that red foxes were there and, you know, I wouldn't have unless I was, and, you know, just going out in my own backyard. Yeah. And so people think, you know, you need to go backpacking or way out there to like have a magical wildlife encounter. Um, and just watching the sparrows in your backyard is like good enough. Yeah. So your backyard, where, where are you from? I'm from San Diego, California. Oh, so not too far from here. Yeah. But as a seasonal worker, I've worked in Washington state and Colorado, um, pretty extensively. What'd you do in those places? I, um, have been a, a primitive skills instructor for a long time. So I've taught people how to survive in the woods for like five years now. Oh, wow. Okay. That sounds awesome. <laughs> so I'm going to guess it's harder to survive in Washington state than Colorado. Different, different, uh, those both, both those things have different, um, things that make it easier or harder to survive in those locations. You know, in Washington state, it's really easy to build a shelter. Mm -hmm. Um, there's just so much biomass that like constructing some sort of shelter for yourself is relatively easy, but making a fire, it's probably one of the hardest places to do so on the planet. You know, um, in certain places it rains, you know, a lot, as you know, yeah. in Ketchikan. Like, <laughs> Sometimes like 155 inches a year. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so in those wet times, it's really difficult, but in Colorado, it's really easy to make a fire. But, uh, when it comes to shelter, you're like looking for different things, you know, each place has its own, own niche yeah. stuff. What, uh, in either, or maybe it's the same answer in both. What's if you find yourself lost in the middle of nowhere and you don't know anything about what's going on, what's the first thing that you should do? Can you describe the situation more? Am I like backpacking? Okay, so the plane explodes, <laughs> <laughs> but I parachuted out of it. Uh -huh. I was sleeping, so I don't know where I am. Mm -hmm. I land, parachute immediately dissolves, and it's just me 
in Colorado hmm. or Washington in a pretty standard but remote place in that one of those states. If I was like high up, you know, like above Montane, like towards the Alpine, mm-hmm. like I would just want to get down. And so like heading down downhill down the mountain and getting to a lower elevation yeah because that's where like humans like to inhabit and right you're even so you're looking for humans that's the first yeah okay i'm looking for a road i'm looking for a railroad something um so what if all right i guess i should refine my question (laughs) i want to survive the night do i look for food water shelter do i what do i do I'm going to die, Marcus. Help uh-huh. me. <laughs> so uh, there is like the rule of threes we talk about in like survival education. The f- Some people, it's broken up into like seconds, hours, days, weeks, months. Mm-hmm. And so three seconds is about um, not panicking and like you're in a situation and maybe stressful, but like calming down and like finding the solution. Three um, minutes would be like, you know, if you're underwater for more than three minutes, you're going to, like, asphyxiate and, and drown. Yeah. Um, but if you're not in that, you know, <laughs> situation, three hours is shelter. So, like, people, um, if you're wearing, like, a cotton t-shirt or something like that and you're wet and it's windy, you um, are going to be in a pretty sorry state after, like, three hours. Um, you're starting to become hypothermic. And so, um, and then three days is water, you know, so, um, your immediate, I guess, in that situation would be finding some sort of shelter, a fallen tree. If you're wet, discarding those clothes, trying to dry them as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. Good. Now I know how to survive. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So you grew up in San Diego, Mm -hmm. uh, through high school. Mm -hmm. Okay. What in your, um, in your formative years brought you to environmental education was it a person was it an event was it just what you like to do as a kid or I always wanted to camp and backpack and live outside as for as long as I can remember but I never really acted upon it I never asked my parents to like take me camping and stuff like that and Um, I didn't ask to like join the Boy Scouts and stuff like that and uh, it wasn't until college that I like made it my own and decided to like take the initiative and start searching out like ways to yeah and luckily now you know I've made it a part of my job my everyday life like through existing and and gaining my existence of uh, my sustenance of you know having a paycheck and stuff like that I get to be outside all the time yeah yeah, and this is a great job to have to be in the water and outside and teaching it and all that. Mm-hmm. You just finished your master's thesis and you're what so what's next like after that? Uh that's a great question. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not entirely certain. Um uh with my masters I get my credential uh so I could teach in a public school setting which uh lends itself great to like long-term sustainability of like in the future having a pension and stuff when i retire and stuff like that so as i'm coming into like my later 20s those are some things i'm starting to think about more Mm -hmm. um but i've um 
something about living seasonally for me that's been really hard is like not having a consistent paycheck and uh, at certain times my my seasonal job wasn't full-time and so not only am I like having work in, inconsistently but it's not as much as I wanted and uh, something I've always wanted to do more of is is traveling and like living internationally and so getting my master's in education will allow me to go and teach abroad and get paid to live abroad yeah um and so that's something that is was very appealing towards like achieving my master's in education and education and like being an educator is my career um of choice and so it was like getting the degree is just going to bolster the experience I have. Right. It's another thing you can say, look, I'm really good at this. <laughs> you should hire me. Well, yeah, it's just like, even though I have a lot of experience, um, not having any formal training has, uh, has hindered me in certain jobs that I've wanted. So now that you are going to have the master's, what's, what's like the dream job that you're looking forward to? When I officially finish in November, this, so this coming fall, um, going somewhere abroad, uh, on my list is like somewhere in South America or Asia. Um, those are two places I've always wanted to visit. Mm. I hear Korea is a good place. Like it makes more money than a lot of the other Southeastern places to teach. Mm -hmm. And it's also awesome yeah uh, I would love to be able to surf in my free time yeah <laughs> yeah do you get to surf here much um the island's pretty poor as far as surfing goes mm -hmm. southern California California in general is kind of a mecca for surfing uh, unfortunately like just the way the island is set up isn't ideal for surfing yeah so how much traveling have you done have you been to South America and Asia I've spent a lot of time uh with my parents in Central America. My mother is Swedish, and so every summer I would go to Sweden growing up. And awesome. So I've been to Europe and Central America a good bit, but as far as traveling on my own, um, in my adult time, I haven't had, had like done as much international travel. So a lot of seasonal workers don't stay in it very long. It's mm -hmm. maybe a year or two, three years. It seems like you really like it. And also you found kind of a path in it. Mm -hmm. It helps being in an awesome place too. But uh, so a lot of them are new to it. Is what I'm trying to say. What is some advice that you have that you found through your experience doing it that you might give to a new seasonal worker or somebody maybe thinking about it instead of, you know, going to their first year of college or something like that? Mm -hmm. uh, planning ahead has always been really helpful for me. So if I'm looking to work for uh, the summer in a certain place, I'll start looking like in December or even before then, October, November, That that's just like crucial you know that's when those places are hiring and mm. and you know if I know for certain that if like the job that I'm in currently ends in late May early June and I know for certain that I'll have a new place to work you know in the middle of June or early July then you know I can budget better and mm -hmm. and it's be smarter less stressful too yeah totally 100 scrambling at the last minute mm -hmm. yeah no that's really good advice actually 
Is there anything else you want to say? For me, it's always been less about my paycheck and more about my happiness and like trying to work, trying to work seasonally and outside is really difficult during the winter. Doing it in places like Colorado and Washington is even more difficult because it's pretty terrible at times to be outside all the time. (laughs) Yeah, even inside some places there. Yeah, and um, so being back here in California is definitely helpful. There, I think there are more opportunities for being outside all the time and working seasonally outside. And then uh, something else that I recently stumbled upon that was, I don't know why I'd never thought about it, substitute teaching. Mm-hmm. Being a substitute teacher, I, I was a substitute teacher during my break time of between my two seasons this, this winter. And uh, it was amazing. I got to choose when I wanted to work and what days I wanted to work. And it was a great paycheck. And it taught me a lot about education and stuff like that and as an educator you know some working in a classroom it was something I always wanted to like try out you know since I had the classroom management skills and stuff like that it was kind of a breeze um and I really enjoyed it um you know I only did it for like a month and a half but it was definitely worth my time and even though it took like a bit of legwork on my part you know getting into the school system and stuff like that. Um, once I was in, I was in. It was like the dream intermittent seasonal job. Yeah. For me, at least. That's a good idea. Well, thanks, man. Yeah! That's it. That's the episode. The seasonals are Kelly Mogg, Ryan Deininger, me, Joey Ravinsky. The theme song by Ryan Deininger, Joe Williams, Louis Leva, Chappie, Thomas Hamilton. Follow us on Instagram at the seasonals underscore. Like us on Facebook. Listen to our next episode. That's it. We're out.